0: Welcome to A Millennial's Guide to Saving the World, with your host, Anya Cates. This podcast has one mission, to rally a generation that's been labeled and groomed as lazy, triggered, and entitled, and invite us all to write a new story. One of a generation that's willing to challenge the status quo, reject black and white thinking, and opt out of each and every repressive system and box that we've been placed in. Above all else, I want to invite millennials to step up to the plate, to be vulnerable in owning our responsibility to ourselves and for walking this planet through the darkest of days. It's time to dream new dreams, write new stories, and create new futures. The great work begins. everybody it has been a long fucking time it's been a whole month that is definitely the longest that I have ever gone uh, without posting an episode and it's been hard there are reasons for it um but I noticed that when I'm not in a regular routine of posting podcasts it's a little bit like working out like once you go too long it feels so hard to jump back in for various reasons in terms of podcasting I both had so much to say and didn't know how to say any of it um so for the past couple weeks I've been like tomorrow I'll do it tomorrow 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 I'll record the podcast it's not that I haven't had interviews I have two waiting to be posted um it's just that I could not bring myself to speak into this microphone until now. Uh, part of the reason for that, or m- most of the reason for that, is that I am back in the US unexpectedly, currently sitting on the street in front of uh, Kyle Tierman's house. Good old Kyle Tierman. Um, Chris, uh, Ryan, and I were in Thailand. And we're planning on being there to work on a project, uh, throughout the winter. And we got a call that one of our closest friends was in a pretty tragic accident. Um, she's going to be okay, but we knew that we have to come back and just kind of park ourselves where she was in Northern California and just sort of take care of her and support her indefinitely. Um, I think we both felt very grateful that we had the capacity to do that, that we didn't have jobs or obligations that prevented us from flying back and being with people that needed us. Um, but it's definitely been a whirlwind. Uh, and there's been a lot going on from jet lag to travel to just sort of the emotional complexity and weight of everything that's happened. And, uh, yeah i'm I'm very glad that I'm finally sitting here with a microphone in my hand it's um it's been hard it's felt equal equal parts good to sort of just take a break and focus on my friend and um just really be able to put all of my energy in that direction uh but at this point, I think the podcast sort of feels like a limb or something and so to not have that in my life was, um, it wasn't feeling good. Every sort of night going to sleep, I was getting pretty anxious about the fact that I didn't release a podcast and maybe part of it is, you know, uh, remnants of my sort of desire to overperform and being a perfectionist and not wanting to let you guys down. But I think also a part of it was just knowing that it makes me feel good and it's really authentic And to not have that in my life didn't feel good. Felt like a loss for sure. Um, Speaking of authenticity, that is what I wanted to record an intro about and what I have known I wanted to record an intro about for this podcast for a while. Uh, And I'm also sort of partially glad that it took so long because so many other things have happened in the meantime that I know will add and have added a lot of juice to this discussion. This podcast is with um, a really cool woman, Zofia. She's Polish, and she rode her motorcycle from Poland to Thailand all across the Middle East uh, by herself. She had never ridden a motorcycle before. Um, Super cool, person. We met her in Thailand. Uh, I think Chris will be posting his episode with her shortly. So if you want two different perspectives, two different interviews with the same person, um, but two conversations that turned out quite differently, as they always do, check out Chris's podcast, Tangentially Speaking. Um, and uh, I had been wanting to talk about authenticity. I'm like doing air quotes right now because it's such a fucking annoying trendy word in some ways and also I think just a really important vital concept to discuss and I couldn't think of a better episode before this one to talk about this in because Zofia is her own fucking person and is doing her own thing and there's no question when you meet her that like there's no one else like her right I mean there's clearly no one else like any of us um And I've been thinking about this for a while because I know that I've fallen into this place where I assumed that the closer I got to myself, that the farther away community would be. Uh, I think I made decisions for maybe 10 years uh, based on the assumption that there just wasn't really a place for me in the world. It wasn't that I didn't know who I was. I think I've always known who I was. And I would I would guess that many of us have always known who we are. Um, going back and watching home movies from when I was a kid and reading my journal entries from when I was 13 or 16, it's pretty clear that I've always been the same person. And somehow I, and I think many of us, slowly but surely move farther and farther away from that. And I think that can happen in a myriad of ways. I think it can happen because we don't think the society or the culture that we live in is appropriate or will accept us for who we are. I think we might get into relationships very early on in life where those people were kind of hoping we were slightly different or projected some version of us that they wanted on us so completely and we wanted to be with them so badly that we just kind of let our true self fall away. And I think maybe to some extent, we all have to do this from time to time. I think we just don't know any better how damaging and how painful it can be to just neglect ourselves. But we do it. And so many of us do it. Uh, And I used to be really ashamed of that. I think I definitely did it within the context of my relationships and I felt I felt embarrassed by it. It was like, wow, I I wanted to be with someone so badly that I forgot who I was, that I sacrificed my identity just to be in this relationship. But then I was like, dude, we all do that. <laughs> like, I don't really think I know anyone that hasn't done that to some extent. Uh, and of course, outside of relationship, you know, we also do that. I think because our we don't think our parents um, or those who raised us will accept us, or the community that we grow grew up in. Um, of course, that's where a lot of these uh, tendencies are formed when we were kids, super subtly, right? Like this doesn't mean that we needed to be raised by super abusive parents emotionally physically anything like that Um, I know for a fact my parents both said to me a hundred million times over like you can do whatever you want you can be whoever you want to be but these little uh, sort of imprints on our psyche as we grow up really are become uh, much bigger than they were I think to start like it really doesn't take much us to think that we have to change or adapt in order to be accepted. Um, Gabor Mate has a great quote that I am going to butcher, but it's something about the fact that we need like both um, love and acceptance and also authenticity, but in the face of um, adversity that we will always pick acceptance over being ourselves. Because Without community, without love, without nurturance, without support, we feel like we're gonna die, and rightfully so. Um, I've brought this up before, but think back to our hunter-gatherer ancestors. Being alone meant death, and and our bodies are the stuff. In our you know psyche and our nervous system, was that type of a person for much longer than the post-agricultural selves that we've been. I think we're all hardwired to understand that if we are rejected, that we will literally die. Because I know we've all felt that rejection feel like a death. And I think we get caught up a lot in this whole spiel around codependency and about problematic relationship patterns and all of those have value. We do need to be very conscious of those things and make sure that we're opting out of them and that we are intentionally participating in community and in relationship. But when it when we demonize our, our need uh, for acceptance and for love and for touch and for intimacy, we're completely denying our being. And it, you know, mainly I wanted to sort of talk about this thing that I've seen a lot that, again, I know I've, I've done where out of the fear that we'll never find a partner or a community or a group, that we just think like the farther we get toward ourselves, the more we will push people away. You know, I think this can happen in a myriad of ways. Like when we're in a relationship that we know is fucking dead and we don't know what's on the other side, but we stay there because we think this sort of mediocre relationship is better than no relationship. And I don't, I don't know what and if I'll find on the other side of this mountain. So I best not get to the summit and look because God forbid, there's nothing there. Um, I remember so vividly at a period of time in my life, a few years ago, realizing that like every single thing and person in my life was falling away. And I had absolutely no idea what I'd find on the other side. I did make the decision that being a false person, being half of myself, was no longer sustainable. It was eating away at my psyche and my body in ways that became impossible to ignore. And, and at some point I really had to accept like, all right, if I'm just going to maybe be like this isolated, alone monk type person who doesn't have a community, like that's better than sacrificing my true self and my needs. But there's a visceral sense, I think, when we go through these deaths of the self, or these evolutions of the self, that we feel like we're going to push everything away, and what we're in fact doing is welcoming more in. But at the time, it doesn't feel like that. You know, at the time, if you're surrounded by people that know you a certain way, you think, I'm A, B, and C... And that's why they accept me, and that's why they love me. God forbid, if they knew I was, you know, C and D, maybe they wouldn't want to hang out with me anymore. And hopefully we're surrounded by people that are just waiting for us to evolve and become the true version of ourselves. But if you're with people that are like, "Mm, yeah, I wanted you to stay A, B, and C, and I I don't want to see those other sides of you, we have to risk and sort of jump off this cliff of, like, that's not gonna work for me anymore, and that not work—like, it's better to jump than it is to stay in that place of falsehood and of lying. And I I have some people in my life right now that I think have gone so long— thinking and convincing and telling themselves that they were a certain type of person or a certain type of an identity. And they're so afraid to change that up because they don't know how they will fit into the world, into their relationship, into their group of friends. And hopefully those people in my life recognize that I'm I'm just waiting. I'm I I don't it doesn't matter what you are, really. If you genuine authentic people who are vulnerable and willing to be vulnerable with me like those are the people I want in my life I don't care about anything else really I I know there are some people that are going to reject us when we become fuller versions of ourselves but that's really an important step to take like why do you want to be surrounded by people that don't accept the full version of you and there may be times when like I went through when It felt like literally everybody in my life fell away. And that, again, it felt like a death. And it sucked, and it was scary. But pretty darn quickly, I realized that by rejecting those false aspects of myself, I was making room to bring in so much more. And I know that sounds sort of cheesy and or hyperbolic, but... It is so true, and I've seen it time and time again. I think anyone in my life that I know who has jumped off that cliff, um, I think Chris in one of his recent podcasts talked about, like, if you're on a boat and you're lost and you get stranded on a desert island, you can do one of two things. You can kind of wait there because, oh, well, this is better than nothing, Like, if I get back on that boat and try to find the mainland, I might not never find it. So I might as well just stay here. This isn't great, and I'm probably going to starve to death and die eventually. But in the meantime, it's better than taking that risk. And of course, the other option is to get back on the boat and realize that not trying is always worse. And I don't know anybody who has left that island that hasn't found either a bigger island with more people and food or the mainland. Every single person. And yet, there are so many people that are still afraid and stuck on that island. And again, everyone does everything in their own time, right? Like, we have to get stuck on the island in order to get a huff of it, so... There's no shame at all in realizing that you're in a place where you've made some mistakes. Realizing that you're in a place where the people that are around you are not who you want to be around. Those people maybe don't love you as much as you feel like you deserve to be loved or accept you as much as you deserve to be accepted. Realizing that you've sacrificed parts of yourself... Like, that's not a shameful place to be. What I think is shameful and immature is our inability to recognize that that's where we are and our inability to say, fuck that. I mean, I I think I spent a decade being like, but I convinced everyone this is who I was and I convinced everyone this is the relationship that uh, that was right for me. So if I say... Uh, actually just kidding. I made a mistake that wasn't right. I'm going to look like an idiot. But really what made me look like an idiot, what made me feel like an idiot in the end, was not being brave enough to say that. Not being brave enough to to walk away from what no longer served me. And the other thing is that this keeps happening. Like, authenticity is not a destination, It's this sort of ongoing death of the self. I read this great quote recently um, that said, to love someone long-term is to attend a thousand funerals of the people they used to be. And I thought that was so fucking on point and so beautiful. And if you're not surrounded by people who are willing to attend a thousand funerals of the person you used to be, you need to walk away from that or just a, you don't even need to walk away from that. The point is once you become more of yourself, those things are just going to fall away. They're going to become impossible to maintain because the closer you become to yourself, I think the harder it is to put up with and embody anything or any person or any energy that isn't aligned with that. And That's it. It's an important process. It's an important process to realize that there are going to be people who to love us more. There are going to be people who come into our lives who we didn't know existed, who are like, I've been waiting for you. (laughs) I've been waiting for this exact type of a person that you are. And then there are going to be people that just like, can't get it. But that's okay. There are people that do get it. And It's, I think, an especially important exercise to allow yourself to move and grow into a more full version of yourself, especially when there are people around you who really do love you, because that's such a beautiful, comforting experience to recognize that no matter what happens, as long as you are honest And as long as you're not hiding, and as long as you're not lying, that those people are going to be by your side. That was a huge, huge part of this podcast. I know that I'm not sitting next to you guys and telling you this and looking into your eyes when I say it, but there are people out there in the world who are totally on board with your fucking weird self, and who are totally on board if you decide... You know what? I moved to this city. I was in this relationship. I got this job. I'm living in this apartment. And you know what? I don't want to be here anymore. And I want to leave. I know for me, I'm going to be cheering you the fuck on. I'm going to be loving you a hundred times more. Because I've been there. I know how hard that is, and I know how good that feels, and how painful it is, and how much grief there is in it. But what I can't do is I can't sit here with people that just sort of spin the same spiral over and over and over again. I remember when I was a kid, I had this friend. Nothing against this friend, but I remember she would always complain that she was overweight, which debatable, obviously. But she would complain that she was overweight while she was, like, eating a chocolate mud cake or something. And I just thought that situation is such good symbolism for what I feel like so much of us do all the time. We just sit there and complain about things, but yet we don't really do anything to change it. Or we just wait for it. We think that at some point it's going to get easier. Like, we just sit there and wait for this hard decision to not be hard anymore. Like the whole purpose. We don't really, we don't get to find our community. We don't get to feel what it's like to fully embody ourselves unless we take a risk. It's inherently risky. It like, it's like a, an award, (laughs) you know, like a truer, community and a better friend and a better relationship is waiting for you after you've completed this challenge. You don't get to just like have it be this easy thing that isn't hard and that you never had to work for. In fact, the struggle is what brings you closer to yourself. The struggle is where you find out who you are. The struggle is where you realize how brave you actually are. And then the more you do it, the more you die over and over and over again in various different ways at various different times in your life, the more you're like, hell yeah, I. this is scary, this is another one of those things, but I've done this before. I've given up my relationship, I've given up my home, I've given up that past not-as-full version of myself. I can do it again. This isn't that hard. And sometimes those decisions are, we're going to have to make them, and sometimes we're going to be pushed. And that's another thing I've, I've witnessed in both my life and in some of my friends' life, lives recently. Sometimes you're going to be pushed, and sometimes something is going to happen so suddenly and so unexpectedly, but still, it's the same choice. You can be pushed and crawl back, or you can be pushed and you can walk forward. Either way, whether you choose to move or someone forces you to or something forces you to, neither one of those situations is easier or harder than the other. The fact is, like, the journey to stand back up and move forward is still hard. And just know that anything that does happen unexpectedly or anytime you feel like you have to take a step yourself... Just be grounded in the sense that, like, yeah, you're not going to know what lies at the end of that tunnel. You're not going to know anything about the future. That's part of it. That's not part of it. It's imperative to this process. But that's okay. Like, just keep moving forward, because you're going to keep finding new things. You're never going to get there. I really, especially with the, in this whole day and age of social media and self-help stuff, like, people who think that they're going to arrive somewhere at this destination of authenticity. Like, you're not going to arrive there for, like, 600 more lives, you know? Just go a little bit, but but keep moving, you know? This isn't, you don't have the year off, you don't, you know, I mean, you can do whatever you want, you know, won't tell you what to do. But the people I want to spend time with and the peop- and the person I want to be is someone that's constantly moving, even though I know I'm not ever going to get there. I don't even know where there is. I'm just going to listen intuitively and move closer toward the thing that feels right. And moving closer toward the thing that feels right doesn't feel easy. It never will. That's the point. It's a it's a struggle. I don't like that word very much, but it's it's hard. But hard can feel good. Once you do hard for a little while, not hard easy is not fun. It's not fulfilling at all. I I was so grateful for actually being able to feel pain and sorrow in my life and the fact that the purest, most amazing joy in my life is now infused with that pain and that sorrow and that struggle. Complexity is way cooler, you guys. (laughs) like, that doesn't take anything away from the happiness that heartbrokenness that stays with you once you get older it's beautiful, it's just a different form of beautiful it's meaningful and deep and complex and complexity feels so good and that doesn't mean you're not going to be quote-unquote happy you're going to feel happiness for sure But it's going to be colorful. It's not going to be one shade of something. So don't be afraid. Or be afraid, but move through it anyway. Be afraid. It is scary. I've always been scared. I know everyone that's taken these leaps is scared. And that's beautiful, and that's okay. I probably have said the same thing over and over again in this episode. I don't know. Sorry, I'm out of practice. It's been a month. (laughs) Hopefully some of that was logical. I'm going to play you this episode with Sophia. I hope you enjoy it. I have another really fucking amazing episode in the bank and have plans to record a couple more. Hopefully I will be back in the swing of things. Probably going to stay on this continent for at least another month or so. I think we're going to go down to Baja for a bit, try and recreate our tropical uh winter that uh, didn't really pan out. Um hopefully get some writing done and just have a little bit more of a routine to release podcasts and not be so all over the place. But hey, sometimes life is all over the fucking place and You know, I get excited about this now. Like when something happens in my life unexpectedly or I have to make a decision I didn't think I'd have to make, I'm like, I can't wait for a year from now or two years from now or six months from now to look back and be like, wow, that was cool. I didn't see that coming. I totally understand that now. And in the moment, you just have to be like, I don't know what this is. I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know what the future holds. I just know I'm supposed to be right here. And I think that requires a certain level of, like, spirituality, in a sense. Doesn't mean you have to believe in God or astrology or anything like that, but some sense of groundedness, that there's a meaning and a reason. There's some juice here, there's some, like, content for you to soak up and download. Just, like, the juice of life. There's something there, and you might not recognize it at first. But I certainly, in the future, have always recognized it. Sometimes it takes decades. I, st- I think back to, like, shit that went down when I was 12. I'm like, oh my god. I see how this fits in. It always fits in. Or maybe that's just the lie I'm telling myself, but I don't really care, because it feels good and it makes me love life. Alright, I said I was going to stop talking, and then I didn't. Okay. <laughs> I have so much to say, because it's been a month but seriously, I'm going to stop. Um, if you want to support this podcast, please tell your friends, please rate the show on iTunes and subscribe and leave a review that helps it show up more in search results. I really only care about more people coming into this community. I want to meet all of you when I travel around. So all I care about is that more people listen, uh, for all of our sake, I want everyone in this community to kind of, like, energetically feel the support of this group of people who they know would support every version of themselves. Like, let's just be here for each other. Spread this shit as far as possible. Hopefully one day we'll all be in the same physical space or at various physical spaces and be able to say that to each other and look in each other's eyes, give each other hugs, slaps on the ass, whatever you want to do. Uh, All that to say, share this podcast. Tell your friends. Um, And yeah, please review and rate and subscribe on iTunes. It helps a lot. Uh, Send me an email. AnyaKatz, K-A-A-T-S, at gmail.com. Just say hi. I love hearing from you. And one last thing before I go, because I feel this quote is appropriate to read right now. Actually, when I started the Instagram account for my podcast and was sort of doing the pre-promotion, I uh, posted, you know, one of those, like, big nine-part tile logo things, uh, and I put a quote on each one of them. And the very first quote that I put, which was intentional because I felt like it really encapsulated what I was going for with this podcast, sort of the underlying message of it all, was a Howard Thurman quote, and the quote is... Don't ask what the world needs, ask what makes you come alive, and go do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. That's all you need to worry about. Become more alive, and it'll all work out. Please enjoy this episode, I will catch you on the other end. Sending love to all of you. All right. I'm excited about this. I love recording with people who I don't know that much about because I just get to find out all the amazing (laughs) details of your life. Um, So I'm here in Phuket, which is a, have you ever been to, or like uh, seen the Jersey shore like in New Jersey? That's what this reminds me of. It's like so tacky and terrible. I've never been to the United States. You've never been. (laughs) just funny because you've been basically everywhere.
1: Yeah, but uh, for me, like developed countries, comes like later. I definitely yeah. want to see it. I've heard of amazing mountains uh, that I definitely want to see. But the thing is that developing countries they change very fast, and what is here uh, in some countries will not be there in five years. You totally, know, yeah. lots of hotels will grow and stuff like this, and like Western Europe or uh, United States, I imagine that they will stay kind of similar, so I can postpone it.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I agree. I would say that should be the last on everyone's <laughs> list. There are some really beautiful places. I When I was uh, in, when I was a teenager, I was in like a band music band and we drove everywhere around America. And I was sort of surprised at how many beautiful places there were because I'd mostly grew up in New York. So it was city and suburbia, but especially the West, I was like, Oh, this country like is actually not that terrible, at least (laughs) what it looks like. (laughs) I mean, it is pretty terrible, but, um, so you are my age, I think, Yes, Early I'm 30, 32. 32. You're from Poland. Yes. And you are traveling like around the world on a motorcycle. Or how yes. do you describe what you're doing? Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, I started to travel like long term uh in April 2017 first on bicycle and now well, after some time I was tired of pedaling <laughs> and yeah. all the physical effort and I wanted to do this more joyfully and and i switched to motorbike um yeah and uh, i'm in very nice situation because i work remotely um and and i just don't run out of money so i can travel as long as i want really Mm -hmm.
0: what gave you the inspiration to do this? Like, I imagine there aren't a bunch of, like, women in their early 30s in Poland, like, going off. And... <laughs> or is that...
1: You know, I uh, this is funny because I think that some people just want that a lot yeah. and some other don't. And <clears throat> I know some people that they say, like, hey, I'm happy staying at home and relaxing, and or I can go on holidays for mm. two weeks, but not longer. I, I, I enjoy being at home. <clears throat> and that's totally fine as well. And uh, I'm this kind of person who was like, if I can do this, I want that, you know? And if I want that, I try to make it happen. So it was... I, I don't know if there was, like, big ex- inspiration... Uh, as as far as i remember um my early adulthood i was like okay if there is possibility to travel without much money because at the beginning i didn't have much money then i would just do this um and i was really fascinated with latin america uh, so my first first trip was was there uh just after the studies, and since then, I always wanted to do more and more yeah and then I found a way to to have this
0: lifestyle and yeah and did you i guess you sort of knew off the bat that you would do a lot of it alone yeah, I mean, like
1: I actually really wanted to travel alone at the beginning uh because like um, I mean, like now I have maybe a bit different perspective on it because I uh, I've been traveling for a while alone, and I think I traveled alone more than I traveled with somebody. Um, and when you when you are alone, you are extremely open to all the world. It's very easy. Like if you are in the countries where people are very open and curious. Like probability that they will come to you when you are alone is very high, and when you are with somebody, you just spend the, the time with this person, and they are shy to to interrupt you talking or something like this. When, but when you are alone, standing there, they will come and ask you, and then maybe then they will invite you and stuff like this. And also you, you look for this interactions because like I'm I'm very social person, you know. I I love being with people. So, yeah, so, um, so when I started to travel alone, I was like, wow, this is fantastic, you know, I've never met so much people, they are all so great, and stuff like this, and... Uh, So my first long-term trip was like three months, and it was amazing. I was like, I will never travel with anybody again, (laughs) no way, you know. (laughs) Uh, But uh, when this trip started, um, after about half a year, I was like... Well, actually, I miss long-term connections. Right. You know, I I have amazing friends back in Warsaw. I have great contact with my family. Uh, my mother is my my one of my best friends. You know, so uh, so I was like them. You know, here I have all these amazing people, but I know them for two days, and I will know them one day more. And everybody is cool if you don't know their disadvantages because how to know their disadvantages when when the connection is so shallow, you know? And uh, and I keep on telling the same story all over again, you know? <laughs> and after some time, you are like, I don't want to meet new people. <laughs> <laughs> is that where you feel like you're at now? Uh, now, no, because... Uh, uh, about, I think, uh, 10 months ago or so, I've met a guy uh, in Iran who was uh, also traveling, like, same direction. He travels uh, with a van. Uh, and he... Uh, uh, yeah, and now we are together. And uh, it's kind of funny, this connection of van with motorcycles. So, like, he
0: drives the van in Iran. Yeah, motorcycle.
1: and is like... <laughs> What's wrong with this ha- couple? Shouldn't the guy be on the motorcycle? You know? uh, and the woman should cook, and he always makes this amazing seafood for me. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, he he filled this void. So now I have this long-term companion. Now I have somebody who uh, who will hug me instead of, I don't know, I was up sometimes Mm -hmm. or having some short-term lovers or whatever. Uh, But having uh, a person who is there for me, this is really important. And you can, like, I can be without this for one year or something like this, but after it, I'm like, "Mm, I'm actually missed it a lot, you know? This Mm. is a very human thing.
0: Yeah, it's funny, I... I I've done both as well, like traveled on my own and with someone else. And I feel like they're both great, but they're such different things. And what's interesting though with you is that I feel like one of the reasons I love traveling alone so much is just the drive part because I'm alone. It's like the one time I feel like I can actually like meditate. Like I don't want to sit on the floor and close my eyes, but if I'm driving, even if I have music on, I feel like I'm like making all these discoveries about myself. So it's cool that you're in a situation where you're with someone, but you also get this time where you're sort of traveling. Yes, yes. Separately. On the
1: motorbike, I'm yeah. alone anyway, you know. Yeah. And also, uh, I I, actually really love to separate with Roman mm. because I want to go through to some, some rough roads or something because then the best adventure happens because then I'm alone again. Yeah. And uh, I get to, I always put myself in some... Stupid, dangerous situations of huge fuck ups and stuff like this, and then somebody rescue me or uh, whatever I meet some great people, you know, and this is so nice, you know, I really miss it, but if i it's difficult to say like what is better you know short term, I think like up to six months, traveling alone is the best, yeah, but if you uh if if it's a
0: lifestyle, at least I want to have somebody in my life next to me, you know? Yeah. yeah it was interesting. I was thinking yesterday after you were here, <clears throat> like I remember when I first start, started traveling in a, alone and I haven't done anything near as like adventurous or dangerous or in countries that you have. It was mostly in America. Um, but I would always get questions from people about like, are you afraid traveling as a woman alone? Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, like when you started out traveling, were you unafraid then? Or do you feel like in sort of going through situations and uh, in dangerous situations and like, I don't know, crashing the bike or getting lost and realizing how people sort of come and help, did you sort of learn to be unafraid or do you feel like you went into it? I think something is partially wrong with my
1: brain because... (laughs) (laughs) A valid I'm, answer. <laughs> I'm not really often afraid. And yeah. then, of course, there are certain situations when it gets bad and then I'm afraid. Uh, but also it's, you know, um, you don't start from going to the country with unstable situation where you hear, uh, like, a lot of bad stories and stuff and uh, be crazy vulnerable, you... Tr- you do like usually small steps. I, I I would say I did my first step was pretty big because I was hitchhiking in Brazil, who, uh, which also had mm. not as great opinion. Uh, and even locals were saying me like hitchhiking is <laughs> crazy. You can't do this in this yeah. country and stuff like this. But then you see, like, okay, actually nothing happened. People were great and stuff like this. And then uh, your, like, comfort zone expands. And you think, like, okay, when, actually, why not going here and here? And uh, also, I, for example, in like, recently I've been to Pakistan. And I remember that when i first look at the map that i want to go like to asia and i was looking at the routes i'm like shit i can't avoid pakistan and when you hear this mm-hmm. uh, like name of this country you you hear war you know you hear terrorists and stuff like this so first i was like ooh there are no chance that i will be there alone and stuff like this um but then you start to get used to this thought, you know? And uh, I had quite some time for preparation to switch from bicycle to motorbike when I had this idea. And I talked with some people and I had to make visa, blah, blah, blah. And when I was entering Pakistan, the name of Pakistan was like just a name of the country, you know? It was... It, it, I, I just got used to this. And then I entered... And Actually, I have met uh, my, my uh, current partner, Roman, that way that... The, the only thing I really didn't want to do alone is when you enter Pakistan, you must get an escort of the army for a few days um, because this area is still not very calm and the government wants to make sure that nothing happens with any tourists and they provide this free obligatory escort. And I was like, okay, do I really want to be with this Pakistani army alone, you know? like I'm okay with being alone in many situations, but here, if I can avoid, maybe it would be good, you know, because I also have to sleep then around them, you know, it's not really comfortable, you know? And I posted it on some Facebook groups uh, that I'm, if somebody is crossing in same time and that's how we met. That's cool.
0: Yeah, It's funny. I like, like the one situation where they're trying to protect you, quote unquote, is the one situation where you're like, oh, I think I need some extra protection yeah. <laughs> from the protection. Um, so you, I was just looking at your social media uh-huh. and I saw that when you switched from a bicycle to a motorcycle, you hadn't even rode like a scooter before. No, um, nothing. Which is really impressive to me Uh, (laughs) um, again that you like just sort of had the confidence to like I'm going to learn this and do it and and it sounds like you've had situations that you know where you fell or someone hit you and
1: yeah um yeah, the, I was uh, like, uh, the thing is that I didn't want to switch to the car because then I'm in this closed box, mm. and it was very important for me to be more in contact with my surroundings. And still, in motorbike, it's very, 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 very limited because on the bicycle you are so slow and you don't have this helmet and airplugs and stuff like this. So. People can see your face. They can talk to you even when you are cycling, you know, and then you can stop very easily. And here sometimes, you know, I just see something interesting, but I'm hmm. too fast to, to just stop in the moment. So, but it was very important for me to have this, like, uh, to have a vehicle that can go everywhere. Uh, so, and the off-road and stuff like this. And to be kind of open, and motorcycles seem to be the closest to the bicycles <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah and and of course, I was uh, afraid a lot because also not i don't have any motorcyclists in my family or something like that, so for me i I was living with this. Myths, for example, like if you fell on motorcycle, you just die. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it's not like that, you yeah. know. Uh, so, uh, so, and again, you know, it's same process as with Pakistan. You know, I get to about this thought, yeah, like, okay, I will drive a motorcycle. It can't be that bad. And then uh, I went. I remember I went for uh, for the drive to the driving school, and they. Um, like when you start to drive a car, they ask you like, "Hey, do you know how gears work?" Like and you say like, "Yeah, sure." And they's like, "Okay, then let's go to the city and drive around." Yeah. And here it was like I spent ten hours uh, uh, not living like a square where you train, and I was still like, "I have no idea <laughs> how to drive this machine." You know, so I was really frightened. And then uh, I try to uh, get prepared as well as I can also to the off-road driving because I knew that I would go off-road a lot. And yeah, it's funny because I remember I called a guy and I was like, hey, I have no driving license yet and I have no motorbike yet, but uh, I need to learn to drive off-road before I got a, uh, buy a bike because I want to be able to test it. So, uh, can you just give me a machine and learn, uh, teach me? <laughs> and he's like, listen, I work with experienced driver. You can come back to me in three years. I'm like, Hey, in three years, I want to cross all Asia and get to, uh, get to South America. So yeah. <laughs> he's like, no, no, no. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what the fuck, you know? Uh, and then I got, of course, to good people who, who say like, yeah, I will help you, I will save your life. you know. Yeah. And they did, you know, I've yeah. learned a lot. And of course, at the beginning, I fell thousands of times. And I, uh, uh, also, I have very heavy uh, motorbike, so sometimes it's tricky to lift it when I, when I drop it. Uh, but in the end, I'm alive. And yeah. I did forty thousand kilo, almost forty thousand kilometers already. Um, so I can say I'm kind of anti to They, this were like one of the most difficult roads on this planet. So I can say I'm pretty now, pretty experienced. You know, uh, it's still a lot to learn. Yeah. Uh, and and but this is where satisfaction comes from. You know you. You do something that is difficult and then you survive and then you are like, yeah, I'm cool. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say I had someone on the show recently uh, who wrote a book called Vana, that was all about sort of like leaning into fear and how that can teach you things. Mm-hmm. And so we talked about fear and like how it intersects with courage and bravery. And I think a lot of people think that like, if they're afraid of something, or they wait for something to be not scary to do it, you know? And I don't think people understand that in order to do brave things, like, we're all scared. Like, even you, and you mm-hmm. think your brain's broken, even still, like, <laughs> even still, like, it sounds like, yeah, I was afraid, and I would never done this before, but then I did it, and learning how to do it taught me something, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, have you, and I'm assuming that's happened to you on this trip countless times.
1: Yes, of yeah. course, of yeah. course, and and you know, and actually with a motorbike I, at the beginning I had biggest my biggest problem was that after bicycle and this strug- physical struggle, you know, that I had on every uphill and then on the top I felt like yeah I'm right. badass and then yeah. downhill you know this <laughs> wind in your hair. I was like, this was, this, uh, it was really full of these moments of satisfaction. And then I drove the motorbike and I'm like, why people does it? You know, it's like, just like, you don't, you just sit here, you know, yeah. you don't do anything. Uh, yeah, but then, uh, I just had to put myself in more challenging, on more challenging <laughs> roads, you know, and, uh. And then dissatisfaction the comes, you know, you you are in some dangerous situations. And I really think like this, I think this Fearvana, this is a really good title because when you get out from this situation you were afraid of or you put yourself in the situation that is really uncomfortable and then you see you survive, you manage, you are, you feel so great, you know. You, you can never feel as alive in, as in these situations.
0: Yeah. When you set out traveling, like, I'm always curious, like what, what was the motivation just to see a lot of things? Like, did you feel like you were trying to find something specifically or like, w- or, or, and, and I guess maybe what you expected, like, how did it change when you started
1: uh, I think uh, I'm like I I I hear a lot of people having some mission yeah. or they want to find uh, find themselves or find a sense of life or something like this and mm-hmm. I I'm totally uh, okay with this but I just uh, I. I just didn't have these existential uh, problems that much, and uh, I just really like to experience new stuff, you know? Mm. Then I feel like... And I like to put myself in this deep shit and uh, and then stay alive, you know? this I like this uh, kind of adventure and stuff like this, and... And I love mountains, and uh, I like to to go to these amazing mountains, and then hike or drive or cycle, and be there in the nature. So I think this is uh, these are these two things: like being in the nature, and just collecting experiences, you know. Mm. Um, and you get to learn a lot, and I think um, for me the so far the i think the most important thing that I've learned is to to um, um to 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 see that there's this myth that we can create our lives that if you want something you you can get it if you try hard and I was thinking like I'm a proof that this is true you know i I wanted something and I got most of the things I wanted in my life, you know? And uh, and I was sometimes working hard and I was really motivated and I could do this. But then you meet these people with like zero education, zero idea about life, about the I'm mean, like not about the life, about the world, you know? They they just have zero knowledge. Some people they didn't know uh, what's the name of their country? Or they <coughs> never seen a map in their life, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, they ask me if the blue thing on the map is a water, you know? And uh, and then you realize, like, if this person, you know, they just uh, copy the life of their parents, you know, living very simple life. And I'm not saying that this life is bad. They often look very happy. Uh, because they they don't have these big desires mm. or whatever, and I feel like I felt like, hey, these people they don't have much chances to change their life, because they just don't know possibilities, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think this is uh, this is something that uh i'm mean, like this doesn't influence my life much but uh, i think this was the biggest shock uh, that i've learned by multiple uh examples but uh yeah but i i i think that i i actually like my uh, in my life the moments i've learned a lot were not during traveling you know i think uh, um uh when i've met uh, uh some people uh who who uh, I, I i my uh ex partner was amaz- is amazing person he's still my best friend and um he he opened whole like universe uh in my head like showing like different ways of life and Uh, He also introduced me to something that is called Radical Honesty. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you've heard about (laughs) that.
0: Yeah, you know Carsey Blanton, the singer? Chris Chris Ryan plays her song on the end of his podcast. Like, you're going to die one day. Her father... Uh, does that and, like, ran for public, uh, for office, political office in America and was just honest about yeah. everything. Yeah. <laughs> so someone's like, have you ever cheated on your wife? He's like, let me tell you about it <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, and uh, uh, so uh, I absolutely love it. I'm yeah. like, I, uh, I've i been very, 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 very honest person uh, even earlier, but this idea that not to hold back and not to pretend anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, that f- thanks to this, you can build really valuable relations, and people really know you. And I also really get rid of a lot of shame just telling people stuff, and uh, uh, and seeing that nothing happens. I don't know. I was uh, like Poland is a bit like traditional Catholic country. And even I live, uh, I was living in uh, in the capital city, modern city, still, like, people are not crazy open-minded, I would say, uh, at, at least big part. And most of my life I was really, really ashamed of the number of sexual partners I had, you know. Mm. And then I told it to 20 people, and they were like, yeah. <laughs> and was, I was like... Okay and some people like say eh, cool let hit bigger numbers. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and i was like let's get to 100 i'm like i'm not even in 50 now and i was so ashamed you know yeah <laughs> and like go for it you know yeah. i'm like okay <laughs> <laughs> you know and it's uh, this is a uh, 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 Yeah, and uh, I had a lot of things that I just told to many people and I saw, like, okay, I'm still alive, they are still my friends, so should I hide it and be ashamed of it for most of my life and whatever? So I think that actually, uh, uh, yeah, and this all all happened during also the time when I was doing a motorcycle driving license and I was like, actually during one year of this trip i haven't learned that much then during uh, these few months uh, because uh, i just met right people make amazing connections learned new way of communication and then i could uh, it influenced uh, a lot of relations in my life you know and this was amazing and i think that now i travel again for another year and again, there was uh, I think now I also learn a lot, but I don't learn that much from traveling so um I don't know maybe this is also some kind of myth that you 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 will find your life while traveling and stuff like this i just I just love it. I do this for fun, yeah and I think if I go to some self development workshops, probably it will <laughs> I will learn more, yes. you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have So many things to say about it. I mean, I think like I, I, for me when I was a, a kid, so I grew up in America, but my mom moved my brother and I to Paris and France mm-hmm. for one year. And I remember her always saying like, part of the reason I'm doing this is because I want you, I mean, it was Europe, so it wasn't that crazy mm-hmm. or anything, but I want you to see that the way the, the place that you grew up and the way that you grew up is just one of many possibilities. And, and, um, I think it definitely worked. And I feel like now I sort of just started traveling more internationally in my thirties, but although it's in so many places, so culturally different than where I grew up, I feel relieved because it makes, it reminds me like how much of who we think we should be or what we're supposed to do is just created by this sort of like insular culture. So it's like, even if I'm not learning anything per se, yeah. I feel like, and I'm curious if you've had this experience too, like, I feel like I'm just learning how okay it is to be authentic. Yes. Right. And yes, whoever you are, you know, which the- is, I think probably the most important lesson.
1: Okay. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I can I can totally back that. I'm like, and you can learn that what is not acceptable in your country is really cool in other countries, mm-hmm. you know. And that we just got some uh, precedent like you should behave like this, follow this path. This is okay. This is not okay. And then you go to the other country, and totally different things are okay, you know. And uh, uh, I don't know, like uh, in Colombia, people dance like they would basically fuck each other on the dance floor, you know, and everybody's happy. They have a (laughs) huge smile on their face. I'm like, if I would dance like this in my country... I would just get the label of the whore, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, uh, and here they are so happy, you know, and uh, yeah. So, so it definitely uh, there are many many situations like this when you think like okay, uh, when when you make your uh, when you start to reflect on uh, on yourself, yeah, and question stuff.
0: Yeah. And I think in, in some ways it's harder, right? Because you actually have to think about who you are and what you want rather than I just grew up here. This is the job I'm supposed to have. This is the type of life I'm supposed mm. to have. So it's like, it's, I think a lot of people that listen to my podcast have reflected that back to me. Like I, you know, how do I get to a place where I even know what it is I want versus what my family wants versus what society wants? And I feel like it requires that you always ask yourself these questions and think like, am I doing this just because I feel like I'm supposed to or am I doing this because I actually want to? So it requires you to, which is why I think traveling helps too, like just having the time and space to think about those things.
1: Yes, and it's also, but also it's uh, uh, like there are these funny moments when you, um, like for example, like I said in front of many people, like I will cycle whole Latin America and then you get get in the place when this big dream of your life is not fun anymore Mm -hmm. and And what should you do with this, you know? Like, everybody say, like, your life is so amazing. Mm. And here I am on this uphill, struggling, being alone, not having anybody close to me around. And, of course, I have a whole bunch of amazing experiences, and I don't put it down, but I also, like, uh, sometimes you have to reflect on yourself and, like, okay, this was this big dream, but in reality maybe I could still change something. And then you have to say like, okay, I'm resigning from this project and like say it in front
0: of all these people. And this is also sometimes pretty challenging. Totally. <laughs> I've, I've, I always talk about that too. And we think that, like, I, I mean, I think I spent most of my 20s making decisions and being in relationships and making life choices that weren't right. Mm-hmm. But I had at the beginning been like, this is me. Like, this is the right situation and the right person. And then I felt embarrassed to sort of say like, well, actually, I think I was wrong. Yeah. But of course, that's the more, I think that's the braver, more mature thing yeah. to do. Um, and I think like we have to do that yeah. in order to keep living.
1: And also it's good to appreciate the situation we were in this like okay you learned something you learned at least that that was not you you know or this is not the way you want to live and you tried it you know it now and you can move forward you know
0: yeah yeah do you feel like you're in terms of you continuing to travel in the future do you feel like you're going to keep Doing it, or sort of constantly changing or the place, or like what's your broad goal as far? I as? have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, so uh i yeah, I don't know like i the big question is if I want to have kids or not, mm. and I guess this will uh um, i I used to think that I want, then I used to think that I don't really want, and now I think. I rather want to have kids and then, of course, it will influence my life. Um, And then I can't take that much risks that I take at the moment and maybe it's also in certain point I have to put my kids into the stable situation so they could build their social network and stuff. So yeah in certain point if i decide for that then i have to decide for some place to live and before that my overall goal is to travel as long as i have fun out of it mm. so i yeah i don't have any sponsors i didn't want to try for that because i want to keep this freedom that i can resign in any moment and nobody will say like hey the agreement was different or whatever and, um, yeah, so so I don't know. At the moment, this, this big gap of kind of loneliness is uh, not that uh, strong. I also uh, come back regularly for like two, three, four weeks to Poland just to see my families, my friends. I usually do this like every six months or so uh and so far it works and yeah we'll see i don't like if you ask me where do i see myself in 20 years i don't know i think i like after i couldn't travel like this in for
0: 20 years
1: but for three (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah
0: Yeah. (laughs) yeah i it's funny i was traveling most of last year and went back to Los Angeles for, it was like two and a half months. And I guess I, I guess I've never loved like routine, but it was just so painful to do and be in the same place every day. And it's not that my life is bad. It's not that like there was a specific reason that I had to be back there. So, okay. Um, but it really makes you like, a question, you know, this whole notion of, like, oh, eventually you will settle down. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know if I ever want to do that. Do you that? not have to? You know, it's like...
1: <laughs> but also there's, I think, the the big difference if, if it's your choice or not. I right. am like, if people come back because they run out of money or right. something happened in their family and they have to be there... I don't know, like, for example, when I came back uh, to do the driving license and I had to spend six months in Poland, it was one of the most happy periods of my mm. life. I had a lot of, like, projects. I was learning motorcycle and then I was learning climbing. I was had this all this self-development stuff, awesome relationship. I was like... Uh, I'm planning this trip, but I don't know if I want to start. Really, I'm mm. so happy, you know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but for example, uh, recently I had to come back. Uh, I wanted to come back to Poland for these three weeks. I had to have a speech on the conference of my friend, and this was. I had my flight paid, so it was perfect. Uh, just to see my family. And then 2 uh, days before my flight back, I've learned I have a cancer. Mm. And uh I was like uh, and then uh, like okay, I can't come back at the moment. I have to cut out my thyroid and uh, like cure this shit whatever I have to do. And and wait, how long ago is this? Uh, like uh, it was in November, I guess. Oh, so recently, just recent. Yeah. Um, and or October something like this, mm. uh, and in this situation I was like I want to come back, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so there are these uh, different situations. Like uh, my cancer was really easy peasy cancer, you know. It was super small. Uh, and they just had to cut it out, and I didn't even have to have any radiotherapy, hemotherapy, mm. or whatever. They said, like, most probably it will not come back. Well, I hope they are, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, um, uh, so, actually, I just had, had to spend four weeks more uh, in Poland, and that's it. And there was this crazy, scary moment when you open the envelope and you read the cancer, and you were like, oh my God, I'm gonna die and Mm -hmm. stuff like this. But then, 40 minutes later, you read that, okay, this is not that serious, you know? Mm -hmm. I was lucky to get one of the best cancers you can get. But anyway, I remember that, like, in the very day that I learned that I don't need this radiotherapy at least now i just like okay i'm coming back immediately and i bought a ticket back for like in two days you know i went to the doctor next day and said, like hey can can you consult me by phone because i'm <laughs> flying back to india yeah. <laughs> it's like can't you wait i'm like no yeah <laughs> so the, i think this is this matter of like do you want to be back? Do you want to settle down? Like I will settle down when I really want to settle down and then I will find the way to to find my adventure over there. I will I know that most probably I will not live in my city in Warsaw because it's absolutely flat over there and I really need mountains. Yeah, I want to
0: hear. I love mountains too. I want to hear what you love about mountains. <laughs>
1: Uh, Well, I love them visually, Uh, and I just uh, love physical effort and then satisfaction. Mm. So I love to hike or climb, and then when you are on the top, you feel like, yeah, I did it, you know. So uh, this is what I can have there, and also I really love to, to hike alone. And to do some multi-days hikes and just camp somewhere and then it's so quiet and peaceful. And this is also what you said, like form of meditation. You just walk, you are with yourself.
0: And I love it a lot. Yeah, it makes me mountains. Make me feel very small in like a very comforting way. I love it as well. I love it. I love to see
1: this huge wall in front of me. Yeah, this is amazing.
0: Which I guess you could get the feeling from an ocean too, but there's just something about mountains. I
1: don't know. I'm like people always say, like we are on the seaside now, and I actually really, for the first time in my life, I enjoy being on the seaside just because i was so exhausted when i get to uh, got to thailand uh, because you know this cancer story and then uh, i had to like really chase uh, roman because he uh, like we had uh, said like myanmar crossing mm-hmm. uh, which you can't do alone you 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 have to have the uh, guide arranged uh, and so like from all this craziness I got to, like with this cancer, I got to the craziness of like driving every day, mm. you know, even from during my working days. I was getting up at 5 a.m. and driving for seven hours, or, and I was so exhausted. And uh, then in Myanmar again, driving, 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 driving. And then I got to Thailand and like, I don't want to do anything. And actually, beach is perfect for that, because uh, um, because if I would be in the mountains, I would like to hike or something. And here, I really needed to do nothing. And uh, it, earlier, if I would have a day when I wouldn't move, I would be like, oh my God, this is wasted day, you <laughs> know? I, there are so many amazing things I could yeah. do. Um, so uh, now I really enjoy it. Uh, but I never I never got these like people saying like oh like sea's so amazing. For me it's like the opposite of the landscape. Like you have blue sky, then you have line and then different <laughs> blue of the sea, and yeah. like no, there's nothing else. And the mountains, you have all these shapes, colours, shadows. Um, vegetation, no vegetation, glaciers and stuff, and and then you, I I feel so small, you know. I I really like it, and I also really love this moment when like you look at these mountains; they are so huge, and then you hike it, and for example, you hike for two days, and then you get to see the view of the valley, and you see this far, far point where you started where you were, yeah. i'm like damn yeah. i did it you yeah. know and it's funny because i think we because we lived in these cities and we now from our childhood we learn to see things that are 200 meters away and not farther, we really don't have a sense what is five kilometers for example like Like, if you see a point there, how many kilometers is it? And when we see, like, for example, five or ten kilometers somewhere in the mountains, it looks like it would take forever, you know? Then you go a few hours and you are there and like, wow.
0: I feel like that's such a good metaphor for traveling in general. Like, this place feels so far away and then you go there and you realize, like, it's actually accessible and that sort of crazy... Journey that you didn't think you could do is yeah. totally attainable. Like yeah, totally.
1: <laughs> and I really love to travel overland. I think that this is such a great way, uh, and the slower the better. For at least for me, I get to see so much more. Cycling was so great because I was so slow, and I would like people would go to. I remember Colombia for. Uh, two weeks or a week, and they would fly from one place to another, spend two days in one uh, in uh, every famous place, checked, 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 right. and they see entire country. Yeah. And then I was taking vacation for four weeks, and I was doing a few hundred kilometers, actually, you know, but I saw this few hundred kilometers so well, you know, and I... Uh, I was seeing these people and these mountains and uh, these landscapes and these roads and talking, putting myself in these all strange situations. And I really, really love it. Um, So, yeah, I I really miss this slow
0: piece. Mm, This was really cool. Yeah, I definitely like traveling. Like a couple hours every day and then just being able to sort of sit and Yeah soak up wherever I am. Um before we step, I did want to talk to you a bit about sexuality and I guess like your identity in terms of your sexuality or even being a woman and how that's sort of like evolved as you've been traveling or has it. Um Um Well I think
1: it evolved the most uh, actually uh, when I stopped, uh, when I had this break. Uh, mm-hmm. So um, I was always super sexual person. I, I I really loved sex. I really love sex, not in past <laughs> tense. And uh, uh, yeah, in, uh, when I was traveling alone, uh, yeah, I, I I was mostly like hooking up, you know, um, and I kind of missed this uh, having somewhere for uh, somebody for a bit longer. And yeah, what was uh, what was really cool, and we we talked about that yesterday that. Uh, that when you are in an exotic country, I was exotic fruit. The guy was exotic fruit. So uh, I, I, uh, I was uh, the guys who who would try to pick me up. They were so handsome, you know. And I was like, Is this true that these amazingly beautiful guys hitting <laughs> on me? You know, I, I, I think I'm okay, I'm not like ugly and I think I'm kind of attractive, but I'm not like supermodel. I'm really far from that, (laughs) you know? Uh, And then there is this like bodybuilder with beautiful face and super sensual and he's trying to hit on me. I'm like, wow, this is great. So, of course, I I had a lot of... uh, Really awesome, beautiful guys, and then uh, not always. Uh, also, just standard guys, and uh, uh, yeah, it's also funny to see like uh, like these uh, cultural differences. They also are in the bed, you know. They behave mm-hmm. differently, you know. Then, like Latin guys, they <laughs> adore you a lot. They talk during sex. They yeah. dirty talk and say like. <laughs> how amazing you are all the time. And I know that they probably tell it every time to every <laughs> but girl. That's fine. That's and fine. Poland is amazingly honest country mm-hmm. and the, the, the guys are not as passionate. Uh, so I was like, wow, this is cool. Uh, but I think the, the what uh, made uh, big difference in my life was, uh, um, yeah, I mentioned... Uh, uh, my uh, my ex uh, boyfriend with with him I had my first open relationship and uh, it was really cool uh, because uh, like it started that way that he uh, he just said like um, you know I have many friends with whom I'm intimate and uh, there are many women that I uh, they are very close to me, you know, and I sometimes have sex with them. Uh, and <coughs> and he said that that uh, uh, that his uh, previous relationship was open as well, and uh, and he he don't want to be in the in the closed relationship, but he did it that way that he said like, listen, I will let's sit, I will tell you about women in my life. Hmm. And then you will tell me what do you need to feel safe, you know. And then he told me about these uh, these relations. And I was after coming back from Latin America when I had uh, all these guys that I really didn't care about. And it was fun, but I had zero connection with them. And I was like, uh, and, and he had these really friendships and he would be intimate with these uh, uh, women once a while. And I was like, shit, I want that as well. You know, mm. it's actually really cool. You know, um, and, uh, uh, yeah. And we just said like, okay, let's, I don't know how I gonna react. On this, I I imagine that I would get crazy thinking like that I, for example, know that now my partner has right. sex with other women. <laughs> but uh, so I was like, I don't know, but let's see what happens. Uh, and uh, so first first thing uh, that was interesting is that uh, I went on the date and I saw on myself that uh, I have this amazing guy next to me, and I feel crazy attracted to him. Um, but then I come back, and I want to call my partner. I really, I like, I really miss him. It doesn't uh, doesn't change my feelings. So my experience was like, okay, it doesn't change my feelings. So maybe in his uh, his. Um, his case it will be simil- similar. Mm. And then uh, uh, there was this situation when uh, when he uh, he had sex with other women. and I was like, okay. So how was it? <laughs> I'm like, well, it was good. It's not very long. Like, okay, you know. I'm like, okay, you know. Like I was afraid. Like I was. I had the best sex of my life, and yeah. then I felt like insecure. But when he's like, "Well, it was okay," you know, and I imagine that sex with me was very good. So I'm like, okay, I actually feel nothing. I feel a bit tension in my belly, and I'm not angry. I'm not insecure. Nothing happened. Okay, you know, yeah. and. Uh, yeah, and th- uh, this was really cool because I also fall, uh, felt that that uh, my partner really l- liked that um, that I make experiences that I have fun. Uh, there was space for it because we lived in different cities, so mm-hmm. there was uh, there was a time when we were be separated and he was just extremely not jealous and we would be perfectly open about it there was no like bullshit don't ask don't tell where you make all the worst scenarios in your head you just we would just share everything we had some agreements and it worked really well uh and yeah I uh, I imagine that this is this is how I would like to live um the problem is that it's still not very common, you know. It's mm. still uh, like my my current partner, he he ne- this kind of idea never came to his mind and uh, uh this is uh, mm, this is something we talk about and uh and it's it's good you know there's there's a space for it uh we can i can share i can share my um my desires and he's fine with this you mm-hmm. know he's fine with this he's fine with hearing it he can stand it and we are slowly getting there to to uh to hopefully open up um Yeah, but I I just find this idea of being free and sexual and uh, saying, like, okay, I'm in a relationship, I'm committed to a guy, and I still have my desires, I want to be intimate, and earlier always I felt really like, oh, this is wrong, you know, now I have to control it,
0: but now I think, like, actually, not really, you know. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, like, that's probably with this person you're with now. It's like the desire to have an actual intimate, quote unquote, primary relationship mm-hmm. with someone and sort of integrate these other experiences as well. Yeah. And I guess <clears throat> I mean, it's like anything in life. We have to yeah. create it yeah. in the moment with the person, which is always challenging, I guess, but also fun, you know?
1: Yeah, of course. And I think like I felt I grew a lot when I was put into this situation Mm. where I had to challenge a lot of things like how relations should be and um, um, what is allowed, what not to change, uh, uh, to talk explicitly about what are rules about of Mm. our relationship, what we want, agree on stuff instead of assume stuff. and. And I brought it to to my current relationship, and I also think that this is this is really cool for my partner. You know mm. that that now he 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 as well started to question stuff, and uh, and I also will grow in this situation. You know, so that's cool. Yeah.
0: yeah, and I think like I mean, people ask me about this all the time. I feel like we were talking about this yesterday. Like just being able to go out into the world and experience different yeah. cultures and different things makes you feel so much more just sort of okay about like, I can just create whatever it is I want to create. Like I don't have to follow any sort of guideline or expectation. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, I'd love to keep talking to you, but we got to check out of this hotel. <laughs> uh, but before uh, we go, I always ask everyone two questions. Uh-huh. Um, one is like, if people want to find you on the internet, where can they find you and follow Uh, So, I just have social media, uh,
1: Facebook and Instagram. On Facebook, uh, my page is called Just a
0: Journey. On Instagram, Just a Journey blog. Cool. And then, if you could recommend one book that's been really meaningful for you in your life, what would it be?
1: (laughs) Well, the outer is just next to me, so it's kind of stupid. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just, like, sucking up. <laughs> I feel mean, like...
1: So, uh, um, uh, yeah, so uh, maybe I recommend it too. Okay, so I really it. like Sex and the Down. I think I, uh, I uh, get to think, like, hey, actually... It's kind of natural, all these things that I'm feeling, and it's nothing wrong, and I really like that. And uh, I recommend it to a whole bunch of people. And different book that I really loved, uh, and it's a non-fiction book, is called... Um, shit, what's in... How is it in English? Uh... uh Nothing to Envy. It's of Barbara Demick mm-hmm. and it's a, a book about modern history of Northern Korea mm. and it's um, um, and uh, this is a story uh, about all the war and stuff like this, but said by normal people, like uh, uh, of their memories, how they lived and how they had to struggle and uh, and this is hard book <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like this is very sad book uh, but uh, when you read it you think like I'm lucky to be born when I was where I was born mm. and uh, yeah so th- this I think the, the the title is nothing to envy um, but uh, the the I remember that the Polish translation yeah. was a bit different. So Barbara Demick and I think it's her second book right. and I'll
0: find it. I always put a link to it. So okay, even cool. if it's a little wrong, <laughs> <it's> fine. <laughs> All right. Thank you. This thank is fun. You. <laughs> Hello again, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you want to support the show, please tell your friends, send them a link to this episode or another episode I have a couple of really awesome interviews recorded um, for the next couple weeks that I'm excited to bring you all. I know I say this every time, and I'm really motivated to get back into a rhythm, get back into the swing of things. Um, I feel like so many good things are coming my way, and hopefully that continues and uh, make this podcast a regular thing again. Um, also a little bit of housekeeping, my other podcast, Horror Rapport, that I do with Erin, we are actually taking a little bit of a hiatus on that right now, uh, for personal reasons, but we will also get back in the swing of that, um, as soon as possible. Uh, no worries, that podcast has not ended. If you haven't listened to any episodes, there are, I think, five in there, uh, that you can go and listen to in this little break that we take. It's Horror Rapport spelled you know like whore and rapport r-a-p-p-o-r-t um it's my podcast where I focus uh, predominantly on issues around sexuality and gender and power and all that hot steamy stuff and I do it with uh, my friend Erin it's just a conversation between both of us uh, so just wanted to mention that um but hopefully getting a lot more content out to y'all in this podcast and that one uh, soon um, today I'm going to play you out the song called Agnes by Glass Animals. Um, it's not totally thematically related to the themes of this show, but, uh, a couple of years ago I took a long road trip and, um, this was a song that I played over and over and over and over again. There's a really cool drive through Wyoming. It's like Northwest Wyoming around, um, uh, it. Uh, Yellowstone down into like the Laramie area and uh, I kind of like to drive fast especially on roads like that where there aren't any other cars and you can just like see for miles and you're going up and down it's like a roller coaster anyway this is one of the best driving songs I think and I would play it super fucking loud Uh, and I felt like given that I just did a podcast with someone that rode a motorcycle all over the place it would be appropriate Um, And plus, I had, like, three other songs I wanted to play, but they were all, like, emo downers, which I feel like is most of what I play on the show. So this one is kind of more upbeat. The song is actually pretty depressing if you look up the lyrics, Um, but uh, the melody's upbeat. So uh, turn this shit up and uh, bop your head and fucking go into this strange, wild world with fervor and ferocity because you can do it we can all do it we're gonna make it you guys i'm gonna end this show on the cheesiest fucking note possible um talk to you guys next time enjoy the song thanks for being there you're all the best